You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 8.55am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Emma and today from the Brainwaves team we have Susie who will be interviewing our guest today. Now before we get started... I would like to begin by acknowledging and paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which I am coming to you from today. Land where we tell our stories, and land where stories have been told by the traditional owners for many years before us. I would like to pay my respects to Elders past and present, and acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners today. My name is Susie, and today I'll be chatting to a member of the Wellways organisation itself, Matthew Fluder. Matthew's current role is as an intervention development lead. He's got a Bachelor of Psychology, he's an accredited personal trainer, and he also has extensive experience with the National Disability Insurance Scheme, that is the NDIS, and in that he deals with personal and workplace rehabilitation as a trainer. He's also worked as a support worker for Wellways and some of his clients live with very acute disabilities. Matthew's about to graduate with a Bachelor of Exercise and Sports Science and of great interest, he's currently developing a health program for Wellways centred around the key role of nutrition in mental health and using analytics and biostatistics. This and the role of exercise will be a key focus of today's discussion. Hello, Matthew, and welcome to Brainwaves. Thank you very much. And that's a beautiful introduction, so thank you. Firstly, is there anything about your current work that you're able to share with us? I know it's still under development. Yeah, I can share a few things. Uh, I think what's really beautiful at the moment is uh, Wellways is really trying to create an environment where we can actually have a really excellent discussion with participants about healthy eating, uh, looking after their bodies, healthy sleep. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to look at a way that we can give opportunities to people. Yes. Uh, also create an environment that allows our frontline staff to give that information in a way that isn't too scientific or too undigestible. And and what we what we're finding is we're learning a lot in the pilot programs at the moment. And we're trying to we're trying to get the feedback from participants and from staff to make sure it really really works in the long term as well. That's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So at the moment, where we're up to is we we're running our second pilot for Walking Towards Wellness, which is a physical health program, and we're currently right now running a pilot um, for our Well Field program, which is a nutrition program, and. What Wellways seeks to do here is to get the feedback from participants involved, 
and also some of our stakeholders. So we we look at a training design, we look at it from a, a point of view of also recovery. Um, we look at it from a profile of how people are actually responding and, and in their mm. life and then after they finish with us. Mm. Uh, and we're looking to help people create a good life. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's really exciting. Yeah, well, there's a lot going on there, that's for sure, a lot of programs. What drew you to this line of work? Yeah, so I think for me, I've, I've always seen uh, the incredible power in, in, in exercise and, and nutrition, and I've always thought it was undervalued. It's been a massive part of my own life and, and just keeping myself in a, in a great mindset. Yeah. And when I found how, you know, how important it was for myself personally, I just, I became so passionate about sharing that with others. And so what I kind of was seeking to do was to sort of go to that really expert level around um, trying to dig deep into the information and and really be able to give people the best um, quality evidence and and explain exactly what's happening because some of it can get quite complex. Yes. Yeah, but it's just it's 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 a it's an amazing space because it's a space where it's there's such an empowerment for, for every human being to take control of uh, some of their health, um, some of the health things that, that in the past I think were relegated to a medical space. Yes. Um, also, obviously, exercise has got well known as scientifically proven, empirically proven, but there's uh, they're only finding out more and more about diet. Um, as time goes on. Yeah, that's right. Diet's one of the really tricky things. And one of the reasons it's so tricky uh, is because the ways that nutrition interacts uh, in a cultural context, in a social context, and then again in our bodies all together. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then also the epigenetic or the, the changes in our body that happen even in utero all the way up to adulthood is so complex that it just it's hard to narrow down exactly what's happening when and a lot of the studies we find at the moment although we have good human studies we have a lot of animal studies because it's just so hard to ethically um to to ethically narrow down all of the evidence sorry all of the little moving parts um that need to be looked at in 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 animal sorry in human models yes Um, and that's been one of the real hard parts. So what we what we see in our human studies is that we either have to spend large amounts of money and, and lots of resources over large amounts of, of years to really nut out and, and do then complex statistical analysis on top, or we have to basically do an epidemiological study which looks at a, a population who eats in a certain way and then looks mm. at their outcomes. And 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 again, then that's very complex as well. So um, what we know about diet right now is that. It, the, the easy answer to all of this is that it matters big time. Yeah. The other thing, of course, is I just heard you mention the social context of eating and the cultural context of eating. And yeah. there's also the socioeconomic issue where some people can't access good, nutritious food, the Mediterranean diet, that sort of thing, which puts them at a disadvantage. And that includes, and I know you're very interested in this subject, Matthew, that includes pregnant women and the impact of their diet on the fetus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, looking after women, uh, all women who who are either um, prenatal, um, looking to plan pregnancy, who are pregnant, 
It's imperative that our society looks after them in a very, very big way, um, in more ways than one, um, because what we can see uh, in, a, in, in a massive, massive study, probably the biggest I've ever seen in our Deakin University studies there with 20,000 pregnant women, we've just seen it's an absolute direct correlation between healthy diet and aggression, hyperactivity and restlessness in, in children after birth and follow-up as well. So, look, I mean, the what, what we're trying to do with Wellfield as well is we're trying to look at really what is the cost of, of cooking a vegetable soup or, you know, making a fruit salad or, or things like that. And the, the initial, the initial costing and, and stuff like that is very difficult because there's such a fluctuation in the Australian market, depending on natural disasters and, and, and other things. There's been times in the market where, uh, and even, even if there is natural disasters, there's different parts of society that have cheaper fruit because they might be closer or they might not pay transportation costs or, it's just a whole gamut of, of things. Toe to toe, though, cooking at home is cheaper than, than fast food. What we find, though, is the confidence for parents to, to cook in a way that's every night and, and just any parent will know that, you know, this, this can, on top of full-time work, can be a very big, you know, a big tall order. Um, and what we try to do, again, is, is talk about ways of making this a bit easier. Yes. Um, I think what we see now with pregnancy as well is that, it's really important that as as when we communicate that we're not shaming or guilting anyone. Um, yeah. We're using the, the concept of, hey, if you, you can do this as part of, of something for you, for you and your baby and then um, mm. yeah, giving that person that choice. But if the yeah. person never has the choice, they never know that it's possible. And they never, I don't think a lot of people know that um, what, you know, and right down to every meal you're having, um, it's it's having direct um, communication impact of, with the baby, and I think I think that that it probably isn't a conversation that's had in depth. Um, it's there's more there's more conversation around you know what week are you up to and that's you know, right yeah. yeah you know um have you had any uh, you know have you had complications before you know. And things like that, and and then we miss that conversation about, hey, you know, choline is really important. Um, are you take are are you making sure that you uh, do you like, or even the question, do you do you have the resources? Do you need help with, you know, healthy cooking? Um, what do you have at home? Do you yeah. have, you know, and and then maybe we can link into that and see what barriers are, yeah. are there and and help people. Well, I, as a retired midwife, I would certainly like to see more education around preconceptual care, which is something I engaged in. Essentially, before I had my children, I had the benefit of an education. I didn't take any medication of any sort. I watched my diet. I didn't have caffeine, no alcohol, because a lot of the damage can be done when you find out you're pregnant. So I'd like to see more education on that. That's for sure. Yeah, and I think one of the things is is that when we're linking emotion as well, when we're delivering information to people about healthy eating, one of the things that um, comes up is that what people really need to understand is the emotional feeling of being healthy, and that's that's a different conversation to you need to eat your vegetables. And that's right. Yeah, and I think depending on the the population, if you if you're thinking about interventions what we see is is that some people can't even can't identify or have never felt what it feels like 
to be strong, to be healthy, to be in control of their of 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 their body. And when I say in control, I mean obviously what we what we can what we can control, which is diet and exercise. Mm. Um, and also just making sure that that linking of emotion is something that goes a bit like this. Hey, listen, I, there's something really important that w- could be helpful for you in regards to um, your child's education and their mm. ability to, to concentrate. That's a different concept conversation to and that's an emotional one right because because you know we, we we all want our kids to have a good education and be able to attend and have good emotional regulation as opposed to saying hey you're eating an unhealthy diet you need to eat a healthy one which yeah. is it doesn't help us as humans because humans um, speak in feeling we're not robots so we need to you need to add that emotional layer on top what does it mean for me and my family what does that mean yeah um, and what does and even more importantly, what does it mean if I don't? What does it mean if I don't? Mm. And that and that's that's where we can get into stuff like, well, you know, uh, look, this these are the things that can happen, and we can give people choices. Yesterday, I was reading an article in the Conversation, which I'm not sure if you've heard of, but it's a very well respected online journal, and it was looking at um, saying basically that successful people. They don't necessarily have willpower, but what they have is good habits. Is mm. that something you're familiar with? Because I know part of your work is trying to. We a lot of us know what to do, but we is making yourself do it. That's how do we do this? Yeah, so part of that is having that emotional link as well, and to to bounce off what you said as well before around uh, pregnancy. Uh, strong pregnancy is strong family, and strong family is a strong partner. So, you know, educating dad as well as mum, it's not just all on mum. Absolutely. Um, and really starting with the education about how do we have strong relationships as part of our curriculum, just mm. as a standard education, which helps embed the idea that, you know, like if I as a dad, you know, start really trying to look after my nutrition and so and 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 then support my partner as well. We're basically multiplying by a hundred times the 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 chances of of our son daughter or, you know um, of having good outcomes as well. So it starts mm. starts with this really trusting, safe family sort of setup. Um, but what you mentioned around habits, and also interestingly about um, how do we make ourselves do it. Um, you know, I I think one of the things is with healthy eating is is that it's seen as as a compromise. That you know that you you have to compromise. It's this trade that you trade. You know you trade you know you trade this really exciting life of ice cream lollies and and roller coasters for you know kale carrots and and, and you know sitting sitting still. Um, mm. <laughs> but, but really, in 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 hindsight, good food, good health, and good eating is delicious. It's it's um it's it's life skills. It's it's capacity building. Um, it, it's it's about the smell, um, you know, the the actual memory, you know, about you know, as a family we sat down and you know I remember that baked dinner we had, or and mm-hmm. you know, I remember this, you know, when me and dad used to go out and and you know we had this together, um, and what what I think the whole problem around this habit conversation is just narrative. And the narrative is, is that we're trading and then people, when people think there's a trade, they're going to lose something because we have this finite life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once people think that there's this trade, they're like, oh, no, you know, you only live once and I'm going to get that 10-piece feed, right? Mm-hmm. But in the end, what we see is, is that 
healthy food and food that's nutritious can be just as enjoyable and just as delicious. Um, and there is no, there is no compromise. Mm. You know what I mean? So that, so maybe that conversation with the habits as well is, is a, is one that I guess is probably not talked about as much. I feel a bit bad at the moment because I ate far too many twisties for lunch yesterday. I'm not even going to tell you how many grams. Um, <laughs> listen, we've gone a little bit off track about what I wanted to talk to you about. And that was how you came across Dr. Felice Jacker and Dr. Tatiana Rocks and the smiles trial and the courage and value of lived experience, that sort of thing. Can you tell us a bit more about Dr. Jacker's work, for example? Yeah, look, Dr. Jacker's absolute pioneer. Huge respect for her work. Absolutely amazing. One of the things that she, uh, she did a sort of a presentation to a group of academics and also just mixed audience. Uh, one of the things she said was that her, her research was where angels fear to tread. And I love that um, because I think that this sort of discussion challenges a modern um, thinking of uh, a pill for every ill um, or, you know, let, let's let's um, not talk about it. Here's a pill. See you later. I'll check. I'll check your a K10. I'll check your DAS in, in, in a couple of weeks. And what um, is her research? The SMILES trial, really, what it what it shows um, is that like really unequivocally uh, nutrition intervention and in this nutrition intervention, it was a modified Mediterranean diet and you can actually check it on the food and mood center website. It's got like a, a pyramid there of how they did it is that that diet intervention versus a social intervention was more effective. Um, and when we talk about that, we, we that's really stunning because social interventions have been paraded for a long time as being, you know, the thing in, in terms of really helping people with psychosocial disability and, and, and all, all other types of areas as well. But now we're saying, well, hang on a sec, nutrition actually beat out, you know, these, not not by a lot, but still narrowly um, in this study. And the SMILES trial, I love the name of it too, because it's saying, look, we can reduce depression. We, 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 we can actually do something about this. Um, and Felice Jacka is actually by training a psychiatrist and, and it's just really this developing field of nutritional psychiatry, which is saying, hey, we don't need to, we need other options on top of medications. Mm. Are you able to tell us anything about walking towards wellness? Because I understand you're the project manager there and behaviour change, Matthew. Yeah, absolutely. Well, walking towards wellness is really exciting because that is the physical health component um, that Wellways is working on. Um, and what we what we know is, is as you said earlier, um, exercise is such an important part of mental health. And if we go right back to the 1970s um, and 60s, uh, we actually have some groundbreaking studies which we still reference today, even uh, in our exercise science uh, degrees. And in, in, in a lot of the literature, a lot of the understandings we have now, were in the you know those 1900s, and the, you know we really really found how powerful exercise was. One of the things that born out of walking towards wellness is saying we've got all this knowledge, but how do we help people? And one of the things we understood was that, um, again, as you mentioned, it's not about the knowledge, it's about the behaviour and, and having the, you know, the ability to help people in a really respectful way. It's not about, again, guilt and shame, but also 
bringing people up to a point where they can start to put these little sprinkles of things in their life over a period of time that build up to a really good habit, as you mentioned. Yeah, a key thing, of course, so for example, with depression, which is something that I've suffered from periodically, it's yeah. just being able to take that first step or do anything can be very yeah. challenging. So yeah. you're looking at ways to help people motivate themselves, even when they're in a bad way. Absolutely. And depression is, is so difficult because it's, it's, um, it's like a mask, um, where you, you, you don't know why you feel like sometimes, you know, people report not even being able to know what triggered, you know, these, these horrible feelings. And it's so, con- it's such a confusing, like a fog nearly, you know? Yes. Um, and I think that one of the things or one of the aspects of, of physical exercise is that, the, the benefits of physical exercise actually happen after the physical exercise, but the hardest part of a physical exercise is just starting. That's um, right. So, and that's what's really paradoxical because yeah. the person will get a um, reduction in their depression symptoms if they do it, but the feeling and of depression is so strong um, that it, it can stop people even starting, as you said. So what we try to what we try to do is we try to use a model where in our programs we're actually supporting people through some of the things that are really, really upsetting them at the start and maybe helping them get housing or supporting them um, to, you know, have strong relationships or access a psychologist. And then later on, then we start to do a physical health intervention because then what we see is, you know, that person's like a lot more, feels a lot safer, especially with housing and that we're not trying to do a physical health intervention when that person's really struggling. Look, Matthew, it's interesting. I'll just briefly say that with my depression, I walk about 20Ks a week on a good week, and I do it for my mental health. It certainly doesn't seem to be doing much for me physically, but that could be to do with the twisties. Um, (laughs) But obviously it reduces inflammation and it increases your stress resilience, and because it's improving your cardiovascular function, it helps you neurologically as well. What are the key points you would like us to know? For example, nutrition versus energy, which is a different thing, long-term food patterns and gut bacteria. Yeah, they're big topics. Yeah. <laughs> Look, nutrition nutrition isn't just about energy. So um, I guess one of the, the most main points there is um, that – the fibre or indigestible calories that we eat um, are feeding our gut bacteria, and that's something else Felice Jacker talks about in 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 how depression is lowered in that lower cold, like the low intestine, that we're having these short chain fatty acids coming out of the gut bacteria after eating this fibre. Yeah. This short chain fatty acid is so important to our health that it's just critical. And so we are feeding, but we're not feeding us; we're feeding the lovely bacteria. Yeah. That's the subject that I'm hoping to do a show on. Um, I'm absolutely fascinated because they're finding out more and more about the links between gut bacteria and mental health and physical health, in fact. Matthew, how can people touch base with you and how can they access that incredible um, PowerPoint presentation that I listened to? And what other resources can you recommend? Yeah, well, I definitely recommend going to the Food and Mood Centre. Uh, the website because they're not just showing research that I mentioned; they're actually showing research that's that's coming up and and mm. continuing ongoing. Um, I think that um, to 
yeah, the power the PowerPoint presentation thing. Um, I, I I'll have to I'll have to make something that's um more accessible to everyone for sure because I've received excellent feedback. I I've, that's still on the working in the um sort okay products at the moment. It was um, very but, informative. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it I think it's something that we can definitely expand on. For me, um, contacting me. Um, I, I have an email if any, if you know if anyone wants to get in contact, it's uh, rise strength at, at protonmail.com. And um, that's where I um, that's the email I use when I'm you know doing work for NDIS or, or other people in regards to personal training and things like that. Um, and so that's an excellent way to contact me. I think uh, one of the other things is, is as a last point as well, we're seeing some really, really interesting work um, coming out um, from the University of Sydney as well. Yeah. So if okay. You, if you check their page has got all their stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's uh, we can't cover everything I wanted to touch base with you on today. Um, we might have to get you back on. Look, Matthew, thanks very much for sharing your current work and the future of behaviour control. I'd like to hear more about that. And obviously, exercise well known for its impacts on mental health, nutrition, and all the ways that we can improve our mental and physical health. It's lovely to meet you, and I'm sure that this show will have benefit for our listeners. So keep up the good work. Thanks, Matthew Fluder. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks to Matthew for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge and insights with our listeners. And a big thank you to Susie for organising and interviewing today and to Kaylin for doing the tech stuff. Please check out our show notes on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au slash brainwaves for more information. We hope you enjoyed today's show. You can find more of our shows at our website, brainwaves.org.au. On the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, on Spotify, or wherever else you download your 3CR podcasts. If you have a story to share, or you would like to send us feedback or suggestions for future shows, please email us at brainwaves at wellways.org. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe, and we'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.